Welcome to the Advent Houston podcast. At Advent, our mission is to embrace, embody, and extend the grace of Jesus Christ to the Texas Medical Center, Rice University, and the surrounding neighborhood. We're glad that you're here with us today. This afternoon, um, we get to hear from uh, one of our regular uh, attenders and and, uh, and the RUF campus minister, which is our denomination's um, <laughs> our denomination's ministry, uh, and uh, to, to Rice University. And so, um, Curtis Shields. Uh, many of y'all have gotten to know Curtis and his wife Marissa quite well. Um, you may or may not know that he went to high school with my wife. Uh, it, we went to college all together as well, um, and uh, and it's really awesome to have Curtis uh, and his family here worshiping with us regularly. So Curtis is going to be beginning and kicking off a new sermon series for us on uh, on wisdom, um, wisdom for the way is what we're calling this this sermon series. So thank you, Curtis, for being with us and sharing from God's Word. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here today and worship with you. Um, you can turn your Bibles if you have them to Proverbs chapter one. We'll be reading. Uh, we'll be looking at the first seven verses today. So, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. This is the word of the Lord. Occasionally, it's appropriate for a pastor uh, to talk about himself in a sermon. Uh, you may could tell that uh, Taylor got cut particularly hard a few weeks ago as he's preparing to preach, and, and he's reading about Mary and Martha, and he's thinking, this is about me. So you might appreciate some full disclosure here, because it's probably worse today. Um, there's a character in uh, the Proverbs that shows up in verse 7, uh, the fool. This text is about me. There's other characters we'll see, the scoffer, the sluggard. Uh, so whenever I read what the fool does in the Proverbs, uh, there's, there's a bit of an extra sting to it. Uh, that, that uh, you know, I read what the fool does, and I think, I do that. I'm like that. <laughs> Uh, I had a friend, this was probably eight or nine years ago, and he said to me, uh, he said, Tim Keller reads a song, uh, reads the song, he reads five psalms and a proverb every day. So uh, there's 31 proverbs, so he reads those every month. And then um, there's 150 psalms, so five a day is the whole song, all all the psalms in the Bible every month. And uh, so Tim Keller is a a well-known well-loved pastor. He, had, he pastored a church in New York City called Redeemer until he uh, died a few weeks ago of cancer. Um, but so I asked my friend, how long has he done that? 
And he said, for like 20 years. And so I assume that Tim Keller did that, you know, every month up until his death a few weeks ago. And, and so my friend said, he says it's the best thing that he's ever done. And so when he told me that, I, I thought, man, five psalms is a lot of psalms every day. Uh, but I need the Proverbs plan. And so, so I read a, a psalm or two a day, but I read the Proverbs plan, one a day. Uh, so uh, the Proverbs plan, fools need the Proverbs. And so uh, I read them around 12, 12 times a year. That I read them more than any other part of the Bible. Uh, sometimes when I finish the Proverbs, I kind of go on to Ecclesiastes. But in general, um, I read that there's another, the next book. Uh, but in general, I read them close to 12 times a year. Uh, the Proverbs, they're wonderful. Uh, they, wisdom, uh, they're, they're not, it's not 10 books in the Bible. It's one book in the Bible. Uh, but it is one, wisdom. We can know the wisdom of God. Uh, now, all the Bible, is, it's worth our, our close study, our close attention, uh, but I'm so thankful that uh, Taylor and the elders here have chosen uh, for us, you know, for the next season to look uh, at the Proverbs. Some have defined uh, wisdom as skill in the art of godly living. Uh, I think that's a, a helpful definition uh, if you're trying to kind of build in your mind what wisdom is, how the Bible defines it. Uh, just a simple biblical definition is skill in the art of godly living. Uh, the image that came to my mind as I was thinking about this uh, was uh, a scale. Uh, like a, an, an old school, an ancient scale where there's weights on both sides. But, but what came to mind was, was um, uh, an even bigger one with, with multiple sides that assigning appropriate weight to everything. Uh, a friend of mine in high school, her, uh, her mom had, in her kitchen, she had a big scale with a bunch of fruit on it. Uh, if, you could, if you could balance it, there's probably 20 pieces of fruit. And if you could balance it, she would take a picture and, and put it in the kitchen there. But I was never able to. It's hard to balance things appropriately, so I was never able to do that. So there's all these questions that we have in life. Do I think rightly about work? How do I best teach my children? Uh, What should I be afraid of? What am I afraid of that I should not be afraid of? Uh, What should I care about? Uh, God has given me particular passions and gifts? Uh, What should my particular life look like? Uh, What should I be thinking about? What should I be talking about? It's hard to assign the appropriate weight to things, Uh, and the Proverbs help us. Uh, This is wisdom, appropriate weight. Uh, uh, As Taylor said, our text is very fitting today, Father's Day, uh, wise sayings. Uh, The structure of the Proverbs is is Solomon's writing to his son. He's writing wisdom to his son. Uh, what a blessing it is to have a gentle and loving uh, and firm and sacrificial father. Uh, and we all have that in our Lord, our Heavenly Father. God offers uh, his fatherhood to all of us. Uh, now, many of us, we have fathers as God intends, uh, fathers that make it easy to believe what God is like. Uh, many of us also have fathers uh, that are not like God intends, that make it difficult for us to believe what God, what our Heavenly Father is like. 
so the Proverbs, uh, they address many topics. Uh, in some ways, they address all topics. Uh, but today, in the introduction, Solomon talks about wisdom itself. Uh, he talks a lot about wisdom itself throughout Proverbs. Uh, but this is kind of the most general, uh, the summary, the introduction. Uh, why? To know righteousness. That's one that he says in verse 3. Uh, the second is for the simple to, to be prudent, for the simple to go from not being simple to not being simple. Uh, and the third that he mentions is for the wise to be even wiser. Uh, and there's four words that, um, that Solomon repeats over and over in here, and that's uh, discernment, instruction, knowledge, and wisdom, uh, the things that the Lord encourages. Uh, so Solomon, he, he celebrates wisdom throughout the Proverbs, uh, but he makes his point clear, his goal in writing clear to know justice and righteousness uh, for the simple to become prudent and for the wise to increase in their wisdom. Uh, so my goal today is for you to walk out of her thinking, I have to have God's wisdom. I can't live without it. I have to have it. I want it more than anything. I want, I want to die thinking that I didn't waste my life because I lived wisely. Uh, so I pray that the Spirit uh, would press on each of our hearts uh, through this season and that we would be eager uh, to receive the rest of the Proverbs series. Uh, so three points today. Uh, the first is that, hopefully we can all get stung by that bee, um, uh, the first is that Solomon is not Jesus. Uh, the second is God wants his people to fear him. Uh, and the third is uh, that people that fear God, they seek his wisdom. They seek his instruction, discernment, and knowledge. Do we kill it? Good. It's dead. Don't worry, everybody. Don't worry. Um. Okay, so, so first point, Solomon is not Jesus. Uh, so it, it's helpful as we introduce this wonderful book to know uh, some context, to know who's writing. And uh, so the great King Solomon, this man of peace, that's what his, his name means. Um, so timeline, Jesus was 2,000 years ago. Solomon and David are around 1,000 years before that. Uh, so David, Solomon's father, and he, these are two people that are helpful to be familiar with if you're a Christian, to uh, know their stories um, and their failures. But um, uh, so Solomon, so he, the Lord gave Solomon peace on all sides as he was leading Israel as, as Israel's king uh, during his 40-year reign. Uh, but Solomon has unfortunate origins. Uh, Solomon, he's the son of the even greater King David, uh, and uh, but his, his origins are from the worst of King David, that, uh, that David stole another man's wife. Uh, he had that man killed, and on and on it goes. Uh, her husband was one of David's most loyal soldiers. Her father was another one of David's most loyal warriors, that David was the great general king. Uh, so, so David would have been uh, in his late 40s when he got tired of leading Israel in war and sent out his top general, Joab, to uh, do his job for him. Uh, and he, in his neglect of duty, he filled his time with the worst possible thing, sin. 
Uh, so Solomon's big brother died at birth, uh, and Solomon was eventually born to David's stolen wife, Bathsheba. Now, God in his grace forgave King David. David came to a full, um, wonderful repentance from his, his great sin. Uh, and so God, God in his grace let, had um, David's heir to the throne come through this stolen wife that he uh, had taken. So David would, was around 50 at this time. And uh, then David dies, and Solomon is around 70 years old. So Solomon's 20 years old and comes to the throne of Israel. He's 20 years old. Uh, So he has a few uh, rebellious brothers aiming at the crown. Uh, He has a few rebellious brothers that uh, may have wanted him killed, wanting to overthrow him. And so at 20 years old, the king of Israel, he's scared. How is he supposed to do this great job? leading the Lord's people. Uh, and so uh, the Lord appears to Solomon in a dream. This is uh, 1 Kings chapter 3. Uh, Solomon goes to offer sacrifices, and that night uh, the Lord appears to him and says, ask what I shall give you in the dream. Uh, this is uh, verses 5 through 14 uh, with some breaks. But, uh, and so Solomon responds to the Lord uh, and says, O Lord my God, You have made your servant king in place of David my father, although I am but a little child. I do not know how to come out, go out or come in, and your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. Uh, For who is able to govern this, your great people?" And the Lord responds. The text continues with the Lord's response. Uh, It says, It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. Uh, And God said to him, Because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind, so that none like you has been before and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments, as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. So Solomon made a great choice. In his humility, he did what God wants his people to do. He cried out to him for help. He asked for what he needed in order to do his God-given task well. He needed discernment, uh, an understanding mind. Uh, The words there are literally um, a a hearing heart. Solomon needed a hearing heart, and the Lord was pleased. When we were in Malaysia, um, I set up a time to talk to the, the youth group, the boys in the youth group. And so me and another college student, we, we set up a time to talk to them about sex. And uh, so uh, they, you know, they kind of didn't make a lot of eye contact, but you could tell that they were listening pretty closely with their questions, kind of keep asking. But uh, anyway, so we, we did that. Uh, it was, sometimes it was kind of disappointing how little guidance they had gotten. Uh, but so we, I kicked off the time with the, the youth group boys there in Malaysia, with a question. I said, what's the point of the Proverbs? 
And so I said, uh, the point is, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Stay away from strange women, or sorry, foreign women, you know, the ones that don't fear the Lord, okay? Now, that's, that's not true. Yeah, that's not the point. But it's in there a lot of times. As you see a lot of times in the Proverbs. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of things in the Proverbs. But there's, there's great wisdom in sexual restraint. The Bible it talks about that a lot. And, um, the, and so our point today, and our first point is that Solomon's not Jesus. A similar point could be made about David. David is also not Jesus. Uh, one of the central points of the Psalms, that David, David writes these Psalms, these wonderful Psalms we can sing to the Lord about, about his king, and the structure of the Psalms, uh, a lot of it, the, the subtle kind of point within it is, David's a great king. We, we all want a great king. He's not the one. We need a better king than David. And so, and, and Jesus is the perfect king. We get him. Now, Solomon, uh, he's also not Jesus. He's the wise man. The Lord gives him great wisdom, unlike anyone before him, unlike any to come after him. But he fails. He's, he's, he's very wise. We can celebrate the Holy Spirit working mightily in him to give us these wonderful proverbs. I, I mean, it's so frequent that I read one verse, like one little tiny verse, that just and be amazed at how much is packed in there to, to teach us, to help us, to help God's people. So Solomon, he's like Jesus in a lot of ways that we can celebrate. But he's also not. He, has a, he had the sins of his father and others. He could not help himself. Uh, he married uh, n- women that did not fear God, and, and many women. The wise man became the fool. Uh, we, we also see that he, he kind of broke the Lord's vision for being a king, that he got many horses for himself, many, much gold for himself. He, f- he failed God's vision for that. Uh, so he was able to, he, he was able to lead Israel for a long reign, for 40 years. That's a, that's a relatively long reign. Uh, but he died young, 60 years old, uh, 10 years younger than his father. The, the Lord was not able to fulfill the promise that he made to him of a long life that he made in 1 Kings chapter 3. Uh, and his wives did what the Lord warned uh, that they would do, that these, these strange women, they didn't worship God. And Solomon, the great King Solomon that loved the Lord, built an altar in Jerusalem, in, in the capital city right there, to Molech, a false god. And others, there were others too. Molech, the god that loved baby sacrifices. Solomon did that. And God in his discipline uh, took the kingdom out of his hand. Uh, his son, Rehoboam, was foolish. He, you know, in, in his efforts at iron-fisted rule, uh, the kingdom immediately split. Uh, he took the throne uh, at 40 years old, not 20, 40, at 40 years old, and he wasn't able to hold on to more than half of the kingdom for any time at all. Solomon became the fool, and, and his son followed him in that. So that's, that's our author. He writes wisdom to his son, and he, he failed it himself, and his son failed it as well. Uh, so that's, that's a dynamic to keep in mind as we read the Proverbs, that, that uh, the second wisest man got taken down by neglect 
of his own wisdom. The wisdom that God uh, graciously gave him still got neglected. Um, even he was prone to it. Uh, so there's, there's, a, there's a do as I say but not as I do aspect to Solomon, but not to Jesus. There's not, not like that with Jesus. That he, he is the wise man. He's the perfectly wise man. Uh, but, but more than do as I say, not as I do, when we read the Proverbs, there's, there's reason for great humility because the second wisest man got taken down by neglect of his wisdom. Even he was prone to it. Um, so the text is our first of these seven verses. They're, they're very general. Uh, so I, I, wanted, I wanted to be, you know, you may think, okay, now what does this actually mean? You know, how, does, how does this actually work with my life? Um, so I wanted to be very, very general. Um, one that came to mind is time. Uh, I remember I was, I was talking to uh, my cousin. I was in my 20s, and my cousin's a good bit older. And he had started a business, and so I, we were talking about stuff, and I had a few ideas. And he said, I could do that, but it would take me probably at least two more hours a week to do that, maybe four or five. And so he was, he was balancing, you know, is that wise? Is that how I should do it? That, uh, now that I have kids, I, I think I understand more what he's saying. Um, I know a little better what he meant. Uh, my mom, she used to always say to us, uh, the only things that are eternal in life are men's souls and the Word of God. That was helpful in orienting time. Uh, I used to hate my birthday. I was a good American in that way, you know, like idealizing youth. Uh, now I love it. I'm one year closer to, to seeing Jesus, to knowing Jesus, that to be able to have one year stewarded well, used well, serving others, loving others, following the Lord, uh, to have that behind me. I'm, I'm thankful for that. Um, one phrase that, that came to mind uh, was, is from chapter 5, that Solomon's warning, warning his son about wasting his life on women that don't love God. Uh, and it's, it says, at the end of your life, you groan. To groan at the end of your life. Uh, hopefully we can read the Proverbs, uh, and all adjust our lives, however they need to be adjusted, um, to where we're all more prepared. Hopefully, you know, when, when we die on that day, hopefully we'll all be old when we die. Uh, and we're cycling people through our bedroom, you know, those closest to us, those that we've loved, uh, and that it's a joyful day. That it's, it's not a day of, of groaning and regret. It's not a day of overdue repentance, but one that was thoroughly prepared for. Uh, the end of a life lived for the glory of God, uh, not one that was lived uh, for whatever idol took hold of our heart uh, and left us groaning on our deathbed. Uh, so Solomon, he's very wise, but he's not Jesus. Jesus is the wise man. Uh, and our second point, God wants his people to fear him. Uh, so our, our outline today is, is a logical one. It's not uh, in order with the text, how it presents itself. But uh, the fear of the Lord, it does not show up until the end, until verse 7. 
uh, but being excited about wisdom, instruction, discernment, and wisdom, uh, knowledge, uh, that doesn't make sense without it. Uh, verse 7 is the theme verse of Proverbs. Uh, the, the contrast within it kind of highlights these three good things. So fear of the Lord to knowledge, fools despise wisdom and instruction. So knowledge, wisdom, instruction, the, the good things that we should want. Um, so the, the fear of the Lord, it's, it's a theme of the whole Bible, too. That it's, it's everywhere. You see it all over the Bible. Uh, now, that may sound like a strange uh, phrase to you. Uh, you, may, you may find it to be kind of a cold phrase. You know, this is the person that I'm supposed to love the most. Uh, this is the person that loves me the most. I'm supposed to fear them. What does that mean? Uh, how, why would fearing that person be the beginning of knowledge? There's a healthy aspect to fear. Uh, it's good when there's a little bit of fear of your dad. Uh, you don't want to bring him home a bad report card. Uh, you don't want to disobey his rules and have to tell him that you did. Uh, you, know, you know he still loves you, uh, but when you're doing your homework and you know in the back of your mind you're thinking, you know, I hope that I can do well on this for my dad. Uh, or maybe you're from a family like mine you're that, that I wanted to play hard in sports and do you know, do my best in those to to honor him. Um, you want to bring him honor by being a good citizen. Now, obviously, there's there's legitimate bad fear too. Um, if you're afraid of your dad because he's an alcoholic and he hits you, that's a bad fear. Um, but that's not what verse seven is talking about. This is this is good fear of God. Uh, now, he is our close, loving father. That when um, when Romans you know, says "Abba, Father," that means kind of the simplest way of referring to God. That uh, that would be like an American toddler referring to their daddy, and we can do that. The God of the universe that that He responds to that He condescends all the way down to us, and that's that's a that's a common way that that um, people that Americans like that aspect of God right now. But he's also powerful and terrifying. It's extremely healthy for us to fear him. I heard an argument recently uh, that in Genesis 3, uh, there's, there's, a, um, there's a verse that says, in the cool of the day, that, that, that uh, the word that says in the cool of the day, that when God would come and speak with Adam and Eve, uh, that that word is wind, that uh, it's, you know, the, it's a cool wind of the morning, but the argument was that it was actually the God wind, because that that word wind is the same word for the Spirit, Holy Spirit, for God, and um, and so what the argument was that was that Adam and Eve every morning they would meet with God, and He would come in, and it was it was awesome, it was just this all, the Almighty God coming to meet with them, uh, and so uh, it was a it was a terrifying. Experience and so when Adam and Eve, when they've eaten of the fruit, they're newly ashamed. You know, they're 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 disobedient, and now they're terrified. And their sin, they want to hide from God. Before they didn't know. You know, they they didn't know they were naked. They loved it when God showed up, but in their sin, they were they were horrified. 
and they wanted, they wanted to hide from him. Seeing God is what we were made for. It's awesome. Uh, we, we say awesome about a lot of things, but, but he is truly awesome. Uh, so for us, th- there is still that same, that Adam and Eve experienced, that same bad fear of God. Uh, bad fear in that we can't see God because of our sin. Uh, we, we would be like Adam and Eve, running away, hiding and scared of what we were made for, uh, but Jesus covers our sin. Because of, because of him, we can, we can celebrate seeing our awesome God. We can delight in that, as we should. Uh, so, so this fear, you know, this needing forgiveness, that's not what verse 7 has in mind either. We fear God in reverence, but not for judgment, uh, because, God, because Jesus took that judgment. Uh, we, can, we can join Adam and Eve before they fell into sin, uh, excited to see God, for him and his awesomeness to show up. Uh, we don't have to tremble with bad fear because of Jesus. Uh, so I don't know if that's true about Genesis 3, but I know that it is true about when Jesus returns, that God's people will say, this is awesome, and that is, those that are in rebellion against him will be afraid and will, will hide in shame. Uh, so that fear, it's, it's healthy and good. Uh, you may, you know, you like scary movies or you like roller coasters. There's, there's something there that, um, but a lot better, a lot bigger, the real thing about fearing the Lord. It instructs us. It gives us knowledge and wisdom. It orders our life the right way. Now, sadly, we don't often... Fear the Lord. We often don't fear the Lord. We, we love our idols. Uh, there are counterfeits that, that we treat like the real thing. Uh, we're afraid of not having our idols uh, when we should be afraid of not having God. Uh, you, you may have heard these, there's these, you know, diagnostic questions that people ask, you know, what, who is your God? What is your God? Uh, what is the thing that you're terrified of not having? Uh, what could you not live without? What controls you? We obey what we're afraid of. We obey our fears. Uh, Later, the Proverbs say, the fear of man lays a snare. Now, this is true of anything, but the fear of man, it's a common uh, idol. When we want the approval of a certain person more than we want the approval of God, we're in a very precarious situation. Afraid of man is an extremely dangerous place to be. It's not wise. Uh, God's knowledge is that the way to live is to fear him above all. He instructs us in the way. Last week, I, was, um, I went to my cousin's wedding, and uh, I, I like to go uh, worship you know, with our brothers and sisters. It's kind of a taste of heaven. These people that I've never met before, I get to worship God with them. I enjoy that. And so I got to go to my cousin's church, uh, and, uh, and it was great. It was an encouragement. Uh, sometimes it's not an encouragement when people don't love each other, when the Bible's not taught that well. But I was encouraged. But the sermon was kind of man-centered. In the Bible, the main character is God. The main point is God. We need to know God. 
And when we can know him, when we know him, we can fear him. We know how to fe- we, we know why we should fear him. Uh, so hopefully we can know him in his word. Now, the person that does not fear God, inevitably, they do not obey his commandments. Uh, the person that does not obey his commandments inevitably has something else in God's place in their life. Uh, you know, this, this could, this, you know, if, there's going to be something in that place. And, and there's a lot of variations, uh, a lot of kind of overlap on these attributes, what you can put in God's place and what a person can put in his place. Um, but it could be yourself. That, you know, that's a dangerous place to be, trying to fill uh, your own stomach. This can lead to all kinds of carnage in relationships, um, caring, you know, caring about yourself more than others. Uh, in Malaysia, uh, there's, there's a very practical way that fear of the Lord plays itself out. Uh, so the government tells, um, there's a law that says, you know, you cannot tell anyone about Jesus. That, uh, well, so there's 60% of the population is Muslim. Uh, 10% is is Indian, ethnically Indian, and they have religious freedom, but they're mostly Hindu. 30% of the population is Chinese. They also have religious freedom, but they're mostly Buddhist. Um, and then 60% is Malay. So if you've ever known anyone from Indonesia or the Philippines, that they're, they're not Chinese, but they're Asian. That ethnicity is called Malay, and they have to be Muslim. And so it's illegal to tell them about Jesus. It's illegal for them to be Christians. Uh, and so the government tells our brothers and sisters in Malaysia, do not tell them about Jesus. And a lot, of, most of the times they, they obey. So pray, you know, it's a struggle for our brothers and sisters fearing the Lord. They fear the government more. Pray for them uh, that the gospel would not be uh, insulated, that uh, whatever persecution came through obedience to God that the Lord would, would strengthen their resolve to share the good news, uh, that they would be able to echo Paul in Philippians 1, that, that the persecution emboldened the brothers and sisters to, be even, to, to talk about Jesus even more. Uh, now, this, this may be true for us, too. We can pray this for ourselves, that we would be bold with the good news about Jesus, that social stigma or whatever else could get in the way of fearing the Lord um, that we would be wise and therefore bold with the gospel. Uh, so Solomon's not Jesus. God wants his people to fear him. And our third point, uh, people that fear God seek his wisdom, instruction, discernment, and knowledge. Uh, there's a lot of wisdom words in our introduction, uh, but four are more primary. So they kind of bookend this little section, uh, verses 2 and then 6 and 7, um, you see them a lot, that, that um, that's kind of standard Old Testament poetry structure, kind of beginning and ending the same way. Uh, and one of the main literary devices uh, is repetition. That they just, what, If you wonder what the point is when you're reading the Old Testament in the Bible, whatever word shows up the most is probably the point. So we see wisdom, discernment, knowledge, and, uh, and instruction. So without the fear of the Lord, we don't want those things. 
We don't want those four things. But with it, we want to seek those things. God's encouraging us to seek those things. Uh, Now, I'm kind of using these four together. Uh, but they're not interchangeable. They're all, we, we just, I'm putting them together because God's saying we need them all, all four. Um, they come back uh, over and over throughout the Proverbs. You see them many times. And um, all of them except knowledge are, are she's, you know, they're, they're referred to as prize her highly. So you see them kind of the way a husband treasures his wife. This is how God's calling us to, um, to, prize, wisdom, instruction, and discernment. In chapter 4, Solomon encourages uh, this relentless pursuit of wisdom. Uh, In the introduction here, uh, he references these wonderful goals for wisdom. Uh, So verse 3 focuses on righteousness. Uh, Proverbs is clear that there's... uh, there's a blindness that comes not with a low IQ, but with low holiness. That uh, this this dynamic, I think, is uh, mostly lost uh, in my experience on Americans, Malaysians too. Uh, but that that uh, we can't understand something not because we're not smart, but because we're not holy. We don't know the Lord. Uh, Proverbs 28, verse 5 says, Evil men do not understand justice, uh, but those who seek the Lord understand it completely. God wants his people to understand fairness. Uh, A word that shows up very frequently is equity. God loves equity. He loves fairness. Uh, And also within that is is righteousness. God also includes righteousness in verse 3. Uh, and this is an extremely relevant understanding to have. Uh, now, you, you may have seen this most, uh, at least publicly, uh, in kind of the political battles of late, where people are kind of jostling, kind of claiming the higher ground from each other that, you know, we know righteousness, you're not righteous, you know, th- those kinds of things. But God wants his people to know righteousness, and he shows us that in his word. Um, he defines it in his word. Now, there's also subtlety to it. You can meet a lot of the Ten Commandments, but not love your neighbor. And it's hard to see when we read the Scriptures, kind of the main thrust that God's calling his people to is to love him and love, love your neighbor. That kind of all of the law is met with that. Um, that's, that's hard to see. And it's hard to see whether someone's genuine, but God wants his people to know righteousness and equity. Uh, verse 4 states a second goal, uh, for the simple to become prudent, that, uh, for the young, uh, the least wise, uh, for them to grow, being able to tell right and wrong, which way to go, uh, to go from having bad judgment to good, discretion. Uh, the word for simple-minded there it could also mean open-minded, open-minded in a bad way, uh, naively open to something that would lead not to good, to bad. Uh, now, the last thing uh, that Solomon mentions uh, is the wise person growing even wiser. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. Uh, I, I love these words, riddles, enigmas. Man. It's, it just sounds fun. Uh, understanding them. 
it's hard to understand the world. It's hard to understand people. There are riddles everywhere, enigmas all over the place, and God helps his people understand. Uh, so all three of these goals, understanding righteousness, helping the simple uh, become prudent, uh, a wise person growing even more in wisdom, all three of those are hard. I, I see in myself uh, an eagerness to rationalize sin, uh, an eagerness to kind of just to have this self-righteous blindness. It's hard for me to teach my kids. And it's hard uh, for wise people to keep growing. Uh, my dad, he has Parkinson's. Uh, so he had to retire. Uh, he wasn't able to work. He hasn't been able to work for the last 10 years. So he's, he'll, he'll be, he's about to turn 72. Uh, but he maintains structure in his life with uh, men's Bible studies. <laughs> and so he goes to all these men's Bible studies. And uh, there are these uh, a few years ago, there were a few of these, uh, the guys there, they were talking about their kids, and uh, they're younger than him, and struggling through how to help their kids. And, and, um, and so they said to, and they're, they're kind of impressive guys or whatever. They have nice resumes. And so they said, you know, you've raised three kids. Like, they seem to love the Lord. That's good. Uh, what, what you got for us? Can you help us? And so my dad, he smiled, and he said, Humility is the essence of life. <laughs> Humility is the essence of life. Uh, I mean, it was humble for them to ask him at all, uh, but there's great wisdom in humility. Uh, you can't really read these Proverbs with, without seeing how central humility is. Uh, instruction, there, there's, there's a required amount of humility, uh, or at least submission to authority, to receive instruction. The, the Christian life. Uh, Proverbs is to some extent kind of a detailed manual on the Christian life, uh, and humility is central in the Christian life. Uh, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Uh, and the gospel itself demands humility. To, to look to Jesus as your Lord says, I, I need you. I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm hopeless in my sin. Please change me. Please forgive me. Please, I need someone to save me. Uh, there's humility there. There are a lot of other aspects of wisdom that the Proverbs talk about, specifics. Um, but this, is, it's, it's general, um, so with a summary, what, what is, what is a, just a summary wisdom? What does it look like? What is this talking about? Uh, God wants his people to pursue wisdom, discernment, instruction, and knowledge. The simplest way to summarize that is Jesus. A fun way to read the Proverbs is just to replace the word wisdom with Jesus. It, it works seamlessly. Uh, he is the wise man. Uh, that's what God means with it. Uh, is this overly simplistic? Our first point was that Solomon is not Jesus. He was, he was wise. The Lord made him wise. But he became the fool. Jesus is the wise man. He's the fulfillment of the Proverbs. What, what, is, what does wisdom look like? What does living perfectly under God's perfect instruction look like 
it looks like Jesus. Verse 3, it shows Solomon's intention for people to know righteousness, judgment, equity. Jesus is righteousness. And we have many resources for seeing uh, the perfect embodied wisdom in Jesus. We have the Gospels. What is he doing? What does he say? How does he respond? How does he feel? Uh, one, one specific story uh, from the Gospels uh, that I think is, is relevant, relevant uh, you know, if you wonder, you know, how can God the Son, he's, he is God, how can he fear the Lord? What is, what is that? So, so Jesus, he initiates, he, he, start, he, has, he celebrates the, his, his meal, his meal that he paid, that he, it's a, the great meal we're about to have. And he goes out, and he's betrayed. That, that same night, he's betrayed. And so he's praying to his father. And he, he, he sweats blood. Now, I guess modern medicine has, has showed us, oh, wow, this, this is actually something that happens when uh, someone's under extreme stress, that, that their, I guess their capillaries burst and they, blood comes out of their sweat glands. Okay? So Jesus, he, he went through extreme stress. He was afraid. He was afraid. But he feared his father more and saved us with his obedience. He feared the Lord. So for, for, these next, for this, the rest of this series, uh, may we know the goals that Solomon has to know righteousness, for the simple to grow in prudence, uh, for the wise to be wiser. May we fear the Lord. May we, may we fear him and long for instruction and discernment and wisdom and knowledge. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that we would fear you. Thank you for your amazing gospel. Thank you for your son. Thank you for your wisdom, uh, that it comes through wise living, fearing you, uh, pursuing wisdom, discernment, instruction, and knowledge. We pray that you would, in your mercy, uh, give us hearts that receive instruction, that we would understand righteousness, uh, that you would help the young and simple among us to be prudent, and that our wise would increase in learning. Uh, we pray that as your people, uh, as your church, that we would understand the many riddles and enigmas of our day and be wise. We thank you for Jesus. We praise you that you are our wise Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.